Welcome to the Spirit Anointing the Word, the podcast of Highland Church, Jamaica, New York, with Pastor Subash Cherian. We're so glad to have you with us today, and we're excited about God's Word because it gives us strength and hope for each and every day. Let's listen as Pastor Subash shares this powerful message. Let me have a word of prayer this morning. And Father, we've gathered here to come collectively to give thanks and to praise and to worship you. There's no one else, Lord. And this is the most important part of our being here collectively that we want to tell you we love you, we worship you, we adore you, and the glory and the honor be yours above, Father, through Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Savior. Be exalted, be magnified, and Lord, let your name be in awe. And dear Father, we just pray for your precious people in the name of Jesus. Minister to them. They need your help. They need your grace. And I pray this morning that their inner eyes would be opened. Even before they ask for healing, they would know in the spirit man, they healed. Even before they ask for their needs to be supplied, they would know to believe that all things have been supplied. That their inner eyes would be open to behold, O God, what the natural mind cannot, and be able to perceive that you are very near, so close. Your hands are stretched out to embrace them. Lifted up, O God, to bless them, and stretched out to give to them your grace, your blessing, your peace, your prosperity. Now draw us closer to you, Lord, Even as we implore you, Holy Spirit, open the word of life to us today and minister power, minister life to us through your word. We ask this in Jesus Christ, our Lord. God's people said, Amen and Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Welcome, everyone. And those that are watching, if you could share this, if you're on Facebook or if you're on YouTube, invite your friends and loved ones. Thank you for being here here at our Sunday morning worship service. And precious people that I hear in now cannot tell you how grateful we are that you continue to come in in spite of, in the midst of all that's happening. Once again, I want you to urge to caution, to be able to wear the mask, whether here or anywhere else, and keep the enemy from attacking you in any way. But don't live in fear. But know that God is grace, and God is great, and God is engulfing us, but we need to do what we have to do to be able to protect ourselves. The grace of God is with you, the love of God is with you, and His presence are hedged around about you, and know that His angels surround you. Give the Lord a clap offering. This morning, I want to begin a series, and it's looking in our spiritual five senses. Long after Christmas is over, long after the lights have been taken away and every decoration is out, long after we have finished hearing the sound of the Christmas song or the taste of those Christmas festivity, or even feeling touched and moved by Christmas and the spirit of Christmas, I want you to know Very important, do not forget the spirit of Christmas. I want to talk about the five senses. I don't mean, which is important, of course, with to do with sight and sound and with regard to smell and with regard to uh, touch and feel and so forth, but I want to take you to our head realm 
to be able to go into and about beyond the natural into a spiritual sense. And I want to speak specifically in this time of Christmas, long after Christmas is done, you're still going to enjoy the precious word that became flesh and dwelt among us, that we will behold his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That you would be able to sense every day is a Christmas, for we are a Christmas people. We are a resurrection people. We're a people of God that give glory and honor and praise. Unto him be praise and honor forever and forever. So my message is to do, yes, the natural is important, but my message is the five senses in the spiritual realm. And that is to do with the sight of Christmas, the sound of Christmas, the smell of Christmas, the savour of the taste of Christmas, and the sense of the touch of Christmas. Long after Christmas is over, this would remain, for we live in the Spirit, and we walk by faith and not by the world. So, going into this message, I want to pray that God would open your understanding to be able to realize the spiritual truth that we would hear, not only for Christmas, but almost every festivity, that way beyond the natural, what we see, and what we hear, and what we feel, and what we taste, in the natural, something that would be far greater, the things of spirit would transcend the natural. So in essence, what we would go through the festivity is for that moment, maybe Easter at that moment, Christmas for now, but long after it's over, the Spirit of God gives us the experiential knowledge and understanding and living in the realities of all that Christ has done for us and making God's presence so real, living with the eventualities of all this in the spirit being. So I want to just begin by saying that we are a three-dimensional people. Our total personality is comprised of the triad being, made in the image of God, spirit, soul, and body. And so when you look at it, there is an aspect of what the it's in the natural physical, then there is what would be the soul, which is the emotion, and which is the intellect, which is the feeling, and all of that. But then transcending to the third order is the spiritual reality. And for those who know the Lord Jesus Christ, when they accepted Jesus Christ, the spirit being is opened. I don't want to basically downplay the spiritual five senses or downplay intellectual and emotional and all of that. Those are part that God has given us in this world. But the moment we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, we are born again. While we were born into this world, we have the natural faculties to think and to imagine and also beyond to be able to see, to hear, to touch, to smell and to uh, be able to taste. But the moment you are born again, something happens. Just like you are born into this world, the very five senses begin to grow. So you begin to see more clearly, begin to hear more clearly, begin to smell and begin to touch. And so all of these are expression in the natural birth. And it has to slowly develop. But the moment we are born again, there's an aspect of the five senses coming to play 
and we grow to it to be able in our spirit man to know him more and more, to love him in the spirit more and more. That while it is important that we stress, thank God that Christ walked the shores of Galilee and he literally in human form walked. But what we need to realize is in the spiritual, he walks with us, not just in Galilee or not just in Israel. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before because he's with us and he loves us and we love him. That he speaks to us and we need to speak back to him. And how could that happen? Not in the physical, not in the emotional, not in the intellectual, but I want to talk about what would be the spiritual. So come in and embark on the study that we would take all the way to the Jan, the first week, because it's so important, because many a times we tend to feel that what happened to Christmas, long after Christmas is over, we begin to be in the down. We begin to feel the Monday blues. We begin to see when snows pile up and everything is over, and then we've taken the decorations. There is what would be a terrible depression coming upon people, because they've gone so high. In the physical, they've gone so deep down. But I want you to understand the importance is no matter how a lousy, awful day it could be, you are right up there in spite of what's happening around you, in spite of what you see in the, in the natural, hear in the natural, feel in the natural, but you are already walking and seated with Christ in heavenly places no matter what the situation in the natural is. So I want to emphasize what would be Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, walking and sitting with Christ in spiritual, in heavenly places. What I want to talk about this morning, we'll have an understanding from what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 towards the end, but let's read the whole uh, verse. It tells us, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and this is the total man. I pray your whole spirit, number one, your whole soul, number two, and your whole body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So as a human being made in the image of God, we have that tripart being, that I'm able to walk in the flesh and God has given me the five senses. I have the faculty to see, to hear, to touch, to smell, to taste. And then again into the second level of emotion, I'm able not only to do all that in the natural, but I can see and I can hear and I can feel and I can taste and I can touch in the emotion, in the intellectual. Many people downplay this, but I want you to understand, even as we build our bodies to fight all of the things that come against us and we must do everything possible to fight against whether it be the flu or the COVID, but there's an aspect that is in the inner, that is the soul. And this is important because many people don't realize the importance of psyche, and that is simply the soul part. To be able to dream dreams, and that is what the world around, and particularly the folks that are very high on what would be the intellectual, the emotional, and all of this have very high dreams, and they have achieved great things, and they have only reached to the second level. 
And many a times Christians look down at it, but they are not able to fathom and to be able to create and to see businesses and to see themselves successful and to see and to make goals and all of these, what would be a view in terms of vision with a mission are very important and in the natural, physical, as well as in the educational and in the terms of business, this is very important. But I want you to understand transcending both the physical and what would be the solical is something that is so powerful and that is the spirit man. So the Lord is saying in that passage we just read, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 23, the Lord keep you totally, that is spirit, soul, body be preserved. And I want you to understand the spirit is the most important of the three. All of them have their importance. We live in a world and we need the five senses. Whether you are in business, whether you're in school, whether you are doing your own work, you need that in the area of your soul. And you need to rise up above that and to realize that the people in the world are smarter than the people in the Christendom because they don't practice and to be able to grow in the part of the solical area. It is not satanic. There is the latent power of the soul just like there's the latent power of the physical that needs to be awakened. But that being said, as the highest philosopher or the greatest man can think, whether it be in terms of business or whether in terms of the acumen of people and the height, they have nothing when it comes to the spiritual realm. And I'm talking about something that's so powerful. So I will be talking about the areas that is so important. So in this Christmas season, or long after Christmas season, all around the time of Easter and long after Easter, these events come and these events go. But something we need to realize is the Word of God becomes flesh in our life, and we must be held as glory. Just like the resurrected Christ is not simply historical, but it becomes something more important and personal. He becomes a reality in our walk in the Spirit with Him. So walk in the Spirit is a very important component of the writings of Paul in the book of Romans. But I want you to realize that living and walking in the Spirit is in the spiritual realm. All our blessings come not like the Old Testament, from the outward and then inward, that we're grateful for everything that is outside. And when we say, oh, we are blessed because our farms are doing well, our barns are full. No, my friend, in the New Testament, the spiritual is first revived, refreshed, and then with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus, reaches out into our emotion, into our physical, and into our financial realm. So you are as rich as your soul, and your spirit is rich. That's the total prosperity. Yes, I believe God gives power to make wealth, but that being said, that is only a third of the component. The most important is that you would be prosperous in the spirit, prosperous in your soul, just as you would be prosperous in the physical and financial realm as well. Now, I want you to understand <clears throat> when we'll be talking about the, the sight of Christmas, the sound of Christmas, we'll be talking about the smell of Christmas, and I will be talking about how important that passage is because 
Like we smell the taste of Christmas festivity, the food, the cake, and things connected with this, I want you to understand these all five senses are powerful memories. What you hear and suddenly you're transported 20, 30, 40 years ago, and you know the singer, you know the first time you heard the song, all the smell, you're reminded of your grandmother's cooking, although she's gone to be with the Lord. Or when you think in terms of something you touched and you go back and say, wow, this is the very place that my mama sat on or grandpa sat in. And so you have memories coming back to you. You're going back memories lane. So too in the five senses, it is so in the emotional realm, and people cry, people are excited, people uh, are very emotional, and that is part of the things that God has wired into our lives. But nothing takes the place of a spiritual realm, and what we do is taking us to memory lane of how the Lord met with us, how God was gracious to us, how the Lord reached out to us, but taking us to the present and then all the way to the future because a spirit man is in the past in the present and also in times of eternity i want us to realize how important it is because just look at what we'll be doing today i hope to finish that is before we go into the sound of christmas or before we go to the smell of christmas smell of christmas i told you is important because you have aroma that are significantly specifically to do with the things of anointment, and that sweet perfume is so important. And when you remind, we're reminded that we cannot make this and use it somewhere else. Uh, uh, this is uh, something that in the Old Testament, and there is the sweet aroma of Songs of Solomon. And then when you go to his banqueting table, you get that sweet aroma. But Jesus Christ is called the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valley. I want you to realize when you think in terms of the sound of Christmas, oh yes, we already have heard the sound, so much so we are reminded of that songs of the angels and it's called Gloria and Excelsia. We've heard the song of Mary, that is the Magnificant. We've heard the songs of, of Simeon and that is Nuns Dimittis. We hear the songs of Zacharias and that is so powerful. And we are reminded of all of these songs that come out of Christmas. Very powerful, very important. But I want you to realize when you hear the sound, you're always reminded of what the Lord spoke about. He that has ears, let him hear. Unlike what the natural Shakespeare writes about, the speech of Anthony when he says, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. That's nothing spiritual. It's a colloquial term to say, keep your natural ears open. That's nothing of a spiritual. But when the Bible talks about in the Old Testament and the New Testament, he that has ears, let him hear. That is in the spiritual realm. The same thing we're going to talk about, the sight of Christmas. And just off the bat, I would tell you there are three sights that we need to understand, like everything else. The first is the natural eyes. We need that. We use our eyes and the faculty of sight every day, whether it's driving, whether it's reading, whether it's watching. This is so important. And then there's a second level, is the eyes of our soul. To be able to envision our business, 
or in terms of what God has put in our hearts, the destiny. These come with eyes that of the soul. And many a times Christians underplay that and at their own loss. But the third and the greatest is the spiritual eyes. And I want you to know this is the eyes that are important. We need the natural eyes. We need, we need the eyes of the soul. Oh my goodness. We desperately need the spiritual eyes. So that being said, I want you to understand when you look at people in the Bible, they were highly skilled in the three levels, like they were truly prosperous in the three levels. People who preach and harp on prosperity, prosperity, are talking on one thing, and their whole mind is to do with the word, not with the things that God has given. So let me just say, when you think in terms of a man that is totally, completely a total man, rounded out, he's able to be well in seeing, hearing, in the natural, in the solical, in the spiritual. But I want you to understand what is so important is people like Daniel and Joseph in the Old Testament, or people like Paul and Peter, two different people, one uneducated and yet the other educated, but their level of soul, but even more, their spirit eyes were even so greater. So let me just talk about the realm that Daniel lived in. Daniel was an excellent scholar. He was the highest, like Joseph, in the field where he was in uh, Babylon, like Joseph was in uh, Egypt. They were the top level. So you call them intellectual. You can call them having good eyes. But there's something I wanted to understand. When you come to this passage in Daniel chapter 4, verse 9, here is the words of Nebuchadnezzar, a smart man. But pardon is uh, vocabulary. He doesn't know spiritual things. But the way he understood Daniel, O Balthasar, that's the name, that Persian name for Daniel, master of the magicians, because I know, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods, of course he talks about plurality, but it's the spirit of the holy God is in you, and no secret troubles you, Tell me the vision of my dream that I have seen and the interpretation thereof. None of the psychic, none of those that use the soul or the Latin power of the soul, none of those that use witchcraft way outside the realm of spirituality, those that consult magicians and astrologers through the signs of astronomy and even black magic and all of these things put together couldn't compete with this one man who has the higher level, not only in the natural, but in the mental, but far greater in the spiritual. So here is the king observing this man and said, you are endowed with the spirit of God in heaven to reveal secrets. Now here is a man who's highly intelligent. Here's a man who has his emotion and his soul intact. But this thing requires far greater than the natural physical or far greater than the soul level. And here is the man who is able by the Spirit of God in the spiritual realm to interpret something that not only is Nebuchadnezzar's dream and in relationship to what would be a Persia, but going beyond to the future and to the end times. How was this man able to do this? Daniel. 
because an intelligent man though he is, he has the eyes of the soul and yet he has the eyes of the spirit to look beyond and to be able to interpret. I want you to realize that when you look into the Bible, you find giving God giving us perceptive from the spiritual realm which are hard for people to understand. So many at times our churches, uh, we just need, keep it low, Pastor, it's very high. We really want just to, just for us to march down and you hit us with some oil and, and knock us down, we would be happy with that. We're living in a mundane world, that's what the natural world looks for, and that natural world has come into the church, and we think in terms of the world, what we see, what we hear, what we smell, what we taste, what we touch, all in the natural, which is not bad. So Christmas is a very natural thing. I'm not against Christmas tree, and I'm not against celebration. But when that is done and finished with, my friend, is your Christmas over? Are you a Christmas guy or a woman? Are you a resurrected man or a woman? Or is it just a seasonal? I want you to realize, my friend, when you look into the passage, the Bible tells us hot food. Not many people will want. They won't be able to digest it. But listen to what the writer of the Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14, particularly to the word sense exercised. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full age or maturity. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Senses exercised to discern both good and evil. That is a realm in which we need to be competent. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the word of God, dividing the spirit and the soul. Many a times, even in Pentecostal churches, people are just moving in the physical and think it's the spirit. Moving in the soul, and they call it soul. It is soul, not spirit. And then there's a spirit. But worship must involve the spirit, the soul, and then the physical. But it must begin with the spirit and then move down into the soul and then into the physical. All three is total man with a total praise. Give the Lord a clap offering. So to have their discernment exercise or to have their senses exercised so they would be able to discern what is good, what is not good. That is strong food. So I'm not giving you a little Christmas story. I want to take you to a level that is a spiritual food. And I want you to understand that Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints is. This is what the Holy Spirit does when we are born again and as we grow in the Spirit, 
It's not a whole lot of jumping and screaming. That comes as a result of the Spirit, but that is not the resulting in the Spirit moving. It must first come in the Spirit. A lot of Pentecostal ch churches have a hula hop running around, and they say the Spirit of God is moving. My friend, it's the whole lot of flesh moving. But I want you to realize when the Spirit compels us, we will do things, clap our hands, jump and shout and scream, and that's not an entertainment. It is simply unto the Lord, and we are moved by the Spirit. All three function very well. So Ephesians, that the eyes of your understanding would be open, so your soul has eyes, your spirit has eyes, and your body has eyes. <clears throat> so what we need to realize is here in the spirit, unlike the mind that is searching, that is computing, that is reasoning, that is difficulty, that is God has given us in the soul. But when it comes to the spirit, it is not our manipulation. It is not man. It is not you. But listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. This is very awesome because, but God hath revealed, like he revealed to Joseph, like he revealed to Paul, like he revealed to Daniel. God has revealed unto us as by spirit, for the spirit searcheth all things. Yea, the deep things of God. I want you to realize how significant is this. The book of Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 27 is significant because listen to what it says. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inner parts of the belly. Why belly? Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. It's the entire diaphragm, the spiritual realm, that, that basically God is searching. And these things cannot be discerned except by the Spirit, not by the natural man, not by the PhDs. And yes, you need degrees in the world in which you live physically. But when it comes to spiritual being, it is the Holy Spirit with your spirit searching the innermost. And that discerning takes place in the spiritual. So I want you to understand how important it is. Now before we go further, I want you to understand Christmas in a spiritual eyes. That is incredible because we will be dealing with birth, we'll be certainly dealing with the center of Christmas, Jesus, but not in a way from the historical point of view. History is history. It's the reality. It's not a myth. And you and I can hear it every day or every Christmas. But in a spiritual realm, it is totally different. It's a realm in the spirit that rekindles something that your natural mind would not be able to understand. Let me give you an example. In the book of Revelation, chapter 1 and verse 9, you find the address, physical address of a man. He's one of the greatest of all the disciples. All the others have been done and killed, persecuted, executed. But this man is the only surviving person 80 years after the birth of Jesus. He is thrown into the island of Patmos, which is modern-day Turkey. 
and he is there put to die. They had persecuted him, thrown him into an oil, hot oil. They did everything, and finally they could not get rid of his teaching. They threw him into what they thought was a God-forsaken place. Nothing is forsaken. God is in the midst, even in the midst of nowhere. So if you were to ask me, where is John? He is in the Isle of Patmos. That is where he is physically. Do you get that? Where is John? In the island of Patmos. That is that is. Where are we? In Jamaica, of New York, the United States of America. That is where we are physically. But even as I speak to you, I can move out of New York while my body and my soul and my uh, mind is here, and I could go in into passages that the Holy Spirit gives me right out of the blue because that is in the Spirit. I want you to realize, my friends, when you look at John in the island of Patmos, that is where he is. That is what's happening in the natural. There's a heavy persecution against the church, and the figures that you want to talk about is Caesar, Rome, Sanhedrin, the temple priest, they're all powerful in their time. They are lost in the antiquity history. But I want you to realize we know John. And we know Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. But while he's in the island of Patmos, listen carefully to what verse 10 tells us. While I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, I heard behind me a great voice as a trumpet. John is down in this place in Turkey called the island of Patmos. Darius, physically. Darius got his two eyes, two ears, a mouth. He can smell, he can feel, he can touch. He can see, he can hear. But he was caught up in the spirit while his body is in Patmos, his spirit is in heaven. To be seated in high places in Christ Jesus is the greatest opportunity rather than be seated in a White House with people in the last couple of years capricious. You don't know where they come and where they go. But there's one who is not capricious. He is the unchanging one, the Lord God, who said, I am the Lord, I change not. And Jesus Christ, the Savior, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So don't you understand, in heaven, far greater than any realms, even in the United Nations, or in the greatest palaces of the greatest sheikhs. But in heaven... In the spirit man, he heard, not mentally, not emotionally, not by wisdom, not by physical ears. He heard by spiritual ears a great voice as of a trumpet. And he sees the one that he had put his head to the bosom of Yeshua Messiah. He knows him. In the flesh, he is his cousin. But the moment he saw him, he fell as though he was dead. He 
couldn't understand. He couldn't fathom the glory of the Son of God, the Word. And that is a spiritual eyes. But I want you to understand, in heaven, he began to see things that were incredible. Because when you read John chapter 1, verse 19, now this is revealed in the Spirit that was past, that was present, and things that was to come. I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. I'm sorry, by mistake. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19. Now look in the Spirit what is being revealed. Write the things which you have seen, not with your physical eyes, not with your mental eyes, but with your spiritual eyes, the things which are, that's now, and things which shall be hereafter. Now in heaven, he gives you a glimpse of Christmas story in the Spirit. Of course we have Matthew, Mark, and Luke giving their version in the historical context. We read that Christmas after Christmas. John actually doesn't begin like Matthew, Mark, and Luke with the story of historical Christmas, the reality of Christmas. Actually, he begins in the spiritual. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by him. Without him was nothing made that was made. In him was life, and the light, life was the light of all men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. That is, oh, that is spiritual. It's not natural. So John doesn't begin with historical. But he does talk about Christmas. Christmas with the spiritual eyes. If you were to turn to his description that he sees Christmas, I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2. This is what John, the beloved, sees Christmas from a spiritual eyes. And there appeared a great wonder, a great sign in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under, his, under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Look to verse 2. She being with a child cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. The circumstances of her birth and we see from a historical point a politician, a king, an earthly king. But from John's perspective in heaven, it is these are only puppet on a string. All of these politicians, the religious heads, were puppet on a string. John is taking into spiritual realm and telling you who is controlling them in verse 3 of the book of Revelation. And you can read in chapter 12 and verse 3. Now look what he describes. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 3. He talks about another sign. We'll wait till it comes. Uh, another wonder. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 3. And he says there appeared another sign, a wonder in heaven. And behold, 
a great dragon having seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns upon his head. Hold it. Historically, we see human people, physical, Herod, the Sanhedrins, Roman Empire, the Roman Caesar, the soldiers, and all of these men, and the crowds crying, crucify him, crucify him. John doesn't even take you to that realm of the natural. He takes you right into what would be with spiritual eyes, the reality in the spirit world. That is the sign, that is the wonder, a great dragon. So he is the cause of it. Verse 4 goes on to say, and his tail drew a third part, third of the angels he deceives, and they become part of his, and, and uh, did cast them into the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered to devour a child as soon as it was delivered. You and I know historically from the point of view of the gospel writers that Herod the king killed everyone under the age of two. But what you and I may not realize, it is the red dragon that is prompting and that is basically controlling the people and the systems and the royalties and the politicians and everything, no matter what you want to call it, it's still controlled by powers that be that control the world, the God of this world. What is significant is we're going to go into the main theme. And I want you to understand the centerpiece is in one verse talking about his birth, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and his kingdom. All in one verse. Because we can see that in the historical context, the, go the gospel writers have written about it. The epistles talk about it. But look from a heavenly perspective when you turn to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 5. Listen to this and let it go into your very spiritual year. She brought forth a man child. A son is given. For God so loved the world, he gives, but a child is born. So he's a man child who has to rule all nations. Died buried, rose, he will rule all nations with a rod of iron. And a child was caught up unto God. Resurrection, ascension to his throne. Now in one verse, the spiritual reality of this man-child, what the Bible in Revelation talks of him as a lion, and as a land, as one with no ending, and yet the firstborn and the last. So much is talked about him, and then comes to the scene of the Lamb of God. Chapter 4 of the book of Revelation, glory and honor for your precious all things were made to Yahweh, Father God. And then in chapter 5 is to the Lamb that was slain, Glory and honor and praise unto his name. Father God has exalted his name far above that at the name of Jesus every knee, whether now willingly or tomorrow forcefully, will kneel and every will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's go down to verse 6 from a spiritual level in Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 6. 
We'll come back to the scene again in this book of Revelation. And when you come to verse 6 and 7 and verse 8, you're going to see a little different. I'm waiting for it for Revelation. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a plate prepared of God. And they should feed a thousand, two thousand, three score. And verse 7, listen carefully, and there was war in heaven. I thought there was war when Christ was born. There was forces converging together. Like all hell had opened up. Right from the day of his birth until the day he was crucified. But I want you to know it was not Satan that killed him. It was not the Jews that killed him. It was not the Romans that killed him. It was you and me that killed him. Our sins was the reason why he paid the price. He gave his life willingly. But listen, there's a war. While in the natural realm we're looking at Caesar and Rome and Sanhedrin's and the whole nine yards, far beyond there's a war. And this is the reason Christ was born. That forever Satan would be defeated who controlled this world. But he was cast into the earth and a time will come, his days are numbered. That's why even though he has lost the tooth, but he's still powerful. He will do everything to ravage and to hurt. And he basically is going about as a lion roaring, seeking whom he may devour. So yes, he is still powerful. But the Bible says there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought against the angels. And verse 8, it tells us that they prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. He could go to heaven any time as he because he is what would be in terms of protocol, has access. But when you turn to verse 9, he was cast down and the great dragon was cast out that old serpent called devil, Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast with him. He's thrown out of heaven and he is on this earth. Some people say, I'm going to cast you into the, into the pit of hell. No, still time to be. But he's in earth and he is God of this world, not the capital. But I want you to understand something fundamental. And this is so important, the reason why Jesus was born, born of a woman that comes to play with the first proto-evangelism prophecy of the Messiah, found in, we don't need to go there, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. The seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent, serpent, the dragon. Now I want you to understand verse 10 says, and this is what Christmas is all about. And I heard a voice saying in heaven, this is from heaven's perspective, now is come salvation and strength for the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser, our brethren, is cast down, which accused them before our God day in and day out. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 18, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like a lightning, thrown out of heaven. And I want you to understand, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and to redeem and set his people free. Whosoever call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, what is so powerful and significant 
Is this what you find in verse 11? How then can you claim the victory? The Bible tells us in verse 11, listen to what it says in the next verse, and it says the testimony of the saints. Uh, chapter 12 and verse 11. We go down to verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Blood of the Lamb. Blood of the Lamb. And you can still stand on victory by the blood of the Lamb and the, by the word of their testimony. It's one thing to claim the blood, but you must have a personal testimony to say, Christ is born in me. Christ was born in the world, but he is born in me. I'm born again. And when you testify of Jesus Christ as Lord, it's not a hearsay, it's a personal experience. You could be born into a Christian home. You could be born into a bishop's home. You could be born into a religious home. But until and unless you have a confession, and unless and until you have the word of testimony, you cannot prevail against this dread dragon. And they love not their lives unto death. In the next verse, in verse 12, therefore rejoice you heaven that dwell on the earth. Verse 13, goes on to say the next words. It goes on all the way. And when the dragon saw he was cast, he persecuted the wind that brought and the man-child. Verse 14 goes on to say, and he says, and the women were given to Verse 15 goes on to say, all the way to the last verse, ultimately says, all he could do is his days are numbered. He will do everything to see that God's people are persecuted. That he still does. But I want you to understand Christmas with a spiritual realm is not looking at the historical. That is real. The three gospel writers are writing from a historical point, talking about Bethlehem, which is prophesied in Micah chapter 5, and talking about the, everything to do with the birth of Christ, all the prophetical. But when you look from a spiritual level, you're talking about something that begins to unveil what would be historical into the realities from a spiritual revel, and you can say, oh my goodness, so this is how it plays out. It's still as a resounding sound in heaven, and every day the worship of God and of his Christ is heard every day. What it means to you and me is he came unto his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons and daughters of God. You must, yes, born in this world, you use your faculty of eyes and ears and touch and smell and taste, but then when you're born again, far beyond the natural, far beyond the solical, you're moving into the spiritual. Like you're growing in the natural, physical, you're growing in the spiritual. And your walk with Christ in the spirit is very important. Let me just take you from the level of sight of Christmas. We have seen in the mundane, in the natural, we can see the beauty, the lights. We can see all the glorious things and in the Christian world it's a beautiful sight to behold I like the city 
all colored with lights and everywhere so beautifully done. This is important. That is so real. But if that's all that is Christmas, my friend, you haven't scratched the surface. Christmas is more than lights. It is about the light that came into the world and he was the light that lighted all men. And the light that shineth in darkness, the darkness comprehended it not. I want you to know Jesus said, I'm the, I'm the light of the world. And then he goes on to say, you are the light through him. He is the Christ, the anointed, but you are the Christos, the Christians who are light given by the Lord like salt and light. What I want you to realize is when you look at the eyes you see so many things about Christmas, just like I will talk next Sunday, God willing, in a short, but continue on to the next year about the sound of Christmas and what you hear. He that has ears, let him hear. But talking about eyes, I talked about the natural eyes, don't despise it, or the mental eyes, don't despise that either. The eyes of the soul are important if you are in any realm wanting to do ex wonderfully, and the book of Proverbs is very powerful in that realm, but when you come to the Songs of Solomon, it is a spiritual level. But let me just say, when you talk about the eyes, let's take from the perspective of the gospel writers. When you turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 12 and verse 13, this is what Zechariah saw on the temple. That's how it begins. With the birth, the promised one, which is John the Baptist, the forerunner. But it all begins with Zechariah in the temple performing his, uh, basically what would be his duty, like every other priest. That was a big, important for him to be selected. But suddenly things change. Zechariah saw him that is in the natural and emotionally, mentally, he was disturbed, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. So what he saw in the natural, fear and a sense of trouble, because this is very unusual. It is a spiritual awakening. But this is a spiritual eyes that was opened, and the next couple of verses you find it is the angel Gabriel speaking to Zechariah. He's an old man. His dreams are forgotten. His promises are forgotten. But God speaks to him and reminds him that he's going to fulfill the promise even though he's old, even though Elizabeth is old. This is spiritual. It has nothing to do with your physical condition. It has nothing to do with the natural condition. I want you to know the fact is fact. He is way beyond or his wife, Elizabeth, beyond bearing a child. But I want you to also realize that faith and the world of the faith is far greater than the world of fact. It's the spiritual that you don't see that controls that which you see. The whole world that you see is hanging on nothing, my friend. No, it is hanging on something you don't see, but it is by faith. Everything you don't see is far greater. The things that are invisible is far greater than things that are visible. Listen carefully. He begins to now comprehend and understand, and yet he's still having doubts. And so he was, for the moment till the child is born, dumb, could not speak. 
This, when you look at this passage, you find the second. In Matthew, from Matthew's point of view, you find these wise men. And so when you read Matthew chapter 2, verse 10 and verse 11, what did they see? The wise men coming from a long distance, they traveled. Why did they travel? It was more than natural. They fell in the innermost part as they read the writings of Daniel. And Daniel was in their own country, the Persians. And they come out because they have a spiritual inclination, a desire to see this Christ child. They make this long trek through the Harriet deserts in the hundreds of miles, and they see a star. Everybody's seen a star, but they looked at the star with a spiritual sense. And then it disappeared, and lo and behold, it stood right on where the inn was, or the manger, and the child. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And verse 11 gives us the point what happened. And the next couple of verses tell us they worshipped him. They gave him gifts. And when they came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother, fell down and worshipped her, worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. I want you to realize from that realm, it is awesome, it is wonderful. Let's look at, again, from Luke's perspective, from the gospel uh, that we celebrate this event. When you turn to Luke chapter 2 and reading from 9 to 10, look at these shepherds. What did they see? I want you to understand. You can understand about a priest. You can understand about wise men. But these were shepherds. They were uneducated. And yet, what they saw was more profound than anybody else could imagine. And look, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone about them, and they were afraid until the spirit man was opened, and when they began to cry, glory to God in the highest, and on earth be peace and goodwill. And they talked about, go down and see the manger, for you shall see the Christ who is the Lord. I want you to understand this message in the spirit to people who were not educated. People who did not know so much scriptures. They were unscripted. But in the spirit man, even though you may not read or write or know no language, you may not know Latin or you may not know Greek, you may not know, uh, in fact, Hebrew, but the spirit man speaks to you beyond human languages. And they come down and fall and worship and go about spreading the news. This, my friend, is what the spiritual eyes is all about. While in the spiritual, the natural man is afraid because he doesn't have an experience like this, he's later on quickened. What does the Bible say about the eyes? The Lord Jesus Christ talked about it because in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 22, look what he says about the eyes. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eyes be single, focused, your whole body. Excuse me, if your whole body is, must be full of light, your eyes must be focused. That is important. You know, I like the way the psalmist described. Many of us want to see to believe. 
But the psalmist in Psalm 27 and verse 13 says, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of God in the land of living. Can I just paraphrase it? I would have fainted unless I believed to see my body being healed. Did you see and believe? Not in the natural, but believe in your spiritual. I would have fainted because I didn't have a job until I believed to see the job, the goodness of God in the land, not when I'm dead, but in the land of the living. I'm speaking to someone who's going through a hard situation. You've come with nothing. And you're sitting here and wondering, what about my future? It's an all an accident. I don't know what I am. I'm in a dilemma. Open your spiritual mind. Open your spiritual eyes. Open your spiritual being to believe. God has wonderful things laid out for you. You are sick. And you've been doing everything in the natural to be well. Have you done something in the spiritual? Not simply in the mental to see, but to believe that you're healed, that you are blessed, you're graced. Why? Because Jesus Christ died. He went through all of this for your iniquity and for all of your sinfulness, but he did it for your peace. And he was chastised. But by his stripes, you're healed. Receive that right now and believe it right now in the land of the living. I want you to realize something very important you find is in Psalm chapter 36 and verse 9. In your light shall we see light. Not in somebody's light, not talking about Hollywood light, not talking about Madison Square light, not talking about anybody's light, but in God's light, you will see light. Do you want to see light? Look at his light and let his light guide you. What I want you to realize is there comes a time in our life we want our eyes. Yes, natural eyes are important. Yes, mental eyes are important. But I want you to realize the prayer of the psalmist in Psalm 119 and verse 18. Look what he says. It says, open thou mine eyes, that I might behold wondrous things out of your law. There are people that look into the Bible and understand it in the natural. There are others who look at it with their mental eyes and understand it from a mental part of it, emotional part of it. But if you want to know the scriptures, it must come from the rhema, the enlightened light from your inner man in your spirit. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold the wonders of your word out of your law. And then you would say, far greater than Uruka moment, it is the Sela post moment. You say, thank you, Lord. I've read this 22 times, but today now I know what it means. It spoke to me. God spoke to me. It's a letter written and signed by God in love for me. I thank you, God. Go ahead, give the Lord a clap offering. So what do I see? 
There's so many things in the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament that sight, in fact, sight is a gift, spiritual sight. They were able to see God in the Garden of Eden, spirit to spirit. They were able to hear God in the cool of the day. They were able to feel God. The sight and the spiritual so powerful, one day we will see him. But we can't at this moment because eyes are blind, cannot be in the spiritual world. No one has seen the Father except the Son who reveals him to us. If you want to know him, just know Jesus Christ. Everything the Father is, the Son is. But one day we will stand before the throne or kneel before the throne and look at him. Our God, our Father, who's a spirit, and they that worship God must worship him in spirit and truth. We will know him in the spirit. I want you to realize how important this is because from the book of Genesis, Eve looked at the wrong in the natural. She listened in the natural to the serpent. She saw the fruit. She tasted the fruit. She felt the fruit which all the while she has been enjoying the presence and the promise of God for eternity and sidetracked with the eyes and the ears and the touch and the smell and the taste and then went down. But comes the last Adam in so to speak with everything and yet with the faculty in the spiritual to open to us the spiritual faculty and we are born again. The spirit man comes alive. What I want you to realize is in the book of Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 9 to 12, but let's read verse 11. God is saying, what do you see? The motto of the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, a rod, a rod of an almond tree. What's the big deal, rod? An almond tree? That is in the natural. No, that's not the natural. This is in terms of rod of an almond tree, but it opens up a spiritual, significantly powerful that has way far reaches. We don't have time to run through that. When you turn to Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 2, remember 6, by my spirit said the Lord, but verse 2, God is asking, asking Zechariah, what seest thou? And I looked and behold a candlestick. Now you say, what's the big deal? Because now the candlestick comes down to verse 6, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, say the Lord, and begins to open up a whole new realm. But here, what do you see in the spiritual? Now is being explained much later. Zechariah chapter 5, verse 2, what do you see of flying rod, and this is a flying roll. The length thereof is 20 cubits. That is spiritual. It has such significance in the far reaches of time. I want you to realize, my friend, it's what you see, but much more what you do not see. There are things you see can frighten the daylight out of you. We live in the worst economic time. They don't tell you the truth. We're in a recession. We're going deeper in recession. They're going to lull us to sleep. By a little time, before end, your money would disappear and your future is gone. So what do I do? For goodness sake, don't commit suicide. 
money comes, money goes. We're really realizing nothing we can depend on this world except God. God will see us through. For those who depend upon the world might as well go up and jump. Don't do that. That's stupid. This too will pass. And just when it, good times come and before you say, oh, I like to build a big store or stop it, the whole thing will drop. That is what's going on. But I want you to realize, very importantly, a man sees a natural thing. He was shocked. I mean, the daylight out of him was knocked out. He was so depressed. He came running to the prophet. And he said, prophet, wake up. How could you be at peace? We're surrounded by an avalanche of enemies. They got their sword drawn. Thousands of them come to Dotan. They're surrounding our little cottage. Do you understand what I see? What does Elisha do? This man has seen. It is factual. It is real. It is nothing lies. This man has seen. He's seen it. He's seen it. He's seen it. Don't discount, dis discount him. Don't dish him. But when you turn to 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 17, here is what Elisha did. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Can you say this prayer? Lord, open mine eyes that I may see. And the Lord opened his eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, Syrians are still there, but we are not gathered about that. Behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. They were there always, but this man was looking at the calamity. He was looking at the natural until he took an eye of spiritual world. Oh yes, he was processing the mental eye, saying, this is trouble, man. We're dead. We're dead meat. The natural man showed him. The mental eyes began troubled, but the spiritual eyes showed a whole lot which he didn't know. The screen was just open, and he could see the way that spiritual heart and mind alone can see. I want you to realize back again when you turn to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, Listen to what it says. The eyes of your understanding be opened. Psalm chapter 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold. These are very important passages that we need to look to. But I want to realize what is significant is, this is important because when you turn to Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 7, this is what God wants us to do and to understand in the process, to open the blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, to them that sit in darkness out of prison homes. Christmas actually begins with light shine it and those that sit in darkness will see a great light. Remember that prophecy? And that's quoted by the gospel writer. And Jesus is that light and the light has come. But we live in a dark world, but keep your eyes on the light. In his light, we will see light. What is so important, my friend, is when you go through the passage, you're going to see what a powerful way God begins to open up our own understanding. Two disciples on their way to Emos, they were troubled. Rightly so. Their Lord has been crucified. It's been three days. 
and they're basically troubled and they're leaving it all like the fishermen going back to fishing. They've given up hope, they're depressed, they love the Lord. Love can be so tough that when you hear bad news, it stays and you're still in a state of depression. You lost loved one and you are crying and moaning. But my friend, just open your eyes. Your loved one is with the Lord, far better place to be than this no good forsaken world. In fact, in heaven, they pity you. You and I have to live out in a world that is so difficult, but for God's grace. But listen, when you turn to Luke chapter 24 and verse 25, Jesus comes alongside and he's saying, why are you so slow to believe? Why is your eyes not open? But I tell you, um, Luke chapter 24 and verse 25, why is your eyes not open? Why are you so downhearted? In other words, O oh fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Then he sits down and he is breaking the bread. And so when you come down to verse 31, a word just pops out. Their eyes were open. How could it be that their eyes were closed? What eyes was open? They had been walking with this person. But then when they sat down to have meat, to have food, their eyes were opened and they knew him. I know you know the Lord. Sometimes you wish that you could be part of Thomas that would see him with eyes. But Jesus said, blessed are they that have not seen me yet believe. Can you say, I'm blessed. Paul had the greatest revelation. He was not there with the Lord, and yet he describes communion better than the gospel writers. It's like he was there, but he knew the depth of spiritual level of what communion means. And he says, I no longer look after the one in the flesh, for I want to see him in the spirit, that I may win him. That forgetting those things that are behind, I press towards the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What are you talking about? It's a person you do not know him. He says, I met him in my spiritual eyes, was opened on the road to Damascus. I saw him. I bowed down to him. I followed him. A man with a passion because his eyes were opened. You know, what is so powerful, my friend, is... If only we could look at it and calculate the years of our life in a spiritual realm. When you turn to John chapter 4 and verse 35, just think about this. Say you not there are yet four months. That's the way they calculate the things in the climate. And then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, what is he saying? Lift up your eyes. Spiritual eyes. Look on the fields. You might say it's impossible, but I'm going to say it is the best thing that's happening today. The field is ripe. They're ready to harvest. Open your spiritual eyes. As I close this, because I will continue next Sunday, God willing, but this is the most important. Just so that you could keep your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. We're not looking at a babe that was helpless. We're looking at the Christ resurrected. He's a Savior and Lord. Looking unto Jesus. He's the author. He started it all. And he's also the finisher of our faith. 
I'm going to tell you in the midst of everything that you're going through, he began with you, he will see you to the end and gloriously. He hasn't written you or me off. We are still in his program. Don't give up on him. Keep your eyes on Christ Jesus. He's the Lord. One day every eye shall see him. Every knee shall bow. One day I'm going to tell you something's going to happen. We will see him and we'll hear the sound of the trumpet and he shall come and we shall go to be with the Lord. Eyes to eye is the greatest news ever will always be far beyond Christmas. Father, just bless your people today. Their spiritual eyes be opened that they would know they are healed. They're saved because of Jesus. They're blessed because of Jesus. If God says you are blessed, just be blessed. If God says you're healed, believe that you're healed. If God says he's going to save you out of this terrible situation, just believe and let your inner mind, the inner spirit world be opened and just say, thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that you've been encouraged by the word of the Lord. To learn more, please visit our website, highlandny.org, or our Facebook page, Highland Church, New York. Until next time, may God richly bless you.